Our ServiceNow CEO, Bill McDermott, has a key principle that states, trust is the ultimate human currency. But as a developer, how do you establish and build that trust, especially if you're new? I've got someone here who can help. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And as always, I say that with the utmost respect and love. Today, I am joined by expert programs delivery senior manager, Shelly Grieve. How are you today, Shelly? I'm really, really well. Thanks, Chuck. I'm super excited to be here chatting with you today. And if that title sounds familiar, it's the same title that we had for Dan Bolina a couple episodes ago. And you may remember, if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen, where we talked about how to talk to executives. So this is part of our content where we want to bring you soft skills to be a better developer, to present better. And today's topic is all about building trust. But before we get into that, let's hear a little bit about you, Shelley. Well, a little bit about me. I celebrated my five-year work anniversary with ServiceNow earlier this month. I came into ServiceNow as an engagement manager about five years ago, running our customer projects in ANZ. And then I jumped over to what we call our TACO organization, our training and certification organization. And I am lucky to run the CMA program, our Certified Master Architect program for APJ as part of the expert programs team have to admit, I'm a little envious of you on that. That, that is a cool program because it is so elite and there's more coming that's uh, in a similar vein as I hear, but we don't want to spoil that yet. Uh, when you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing? Well, I have three crazy, crazy boys that keep me very busy outside of work between the sporting commitments and fitness commitments. We don't have many hours left in our day, but when I do get a chance for some downtime, I love to be a little bit creative and making cool birthday cakes for my kids and everybody, friends and family as well. Uh, and I am desperately waiting for service now to list a position for the Go Live Cake Extraordinaire. <laughs> have you had to make a plaid cake yet? No, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's one of our my mom's favorite stories from when my oldest sister Suzette, who is now into her sixties, when she was maybe nine years old, my mother would ask, What kind of cake would you like this year? And she said, plaid. And she said, how do you make a plaid cake? So <laughs> she took uh, food coloring and some thread and managed to put the colored lines on the top of the cake. And it it was wonderful. So it's a, it's sort of a, a Tomasi family legend. So if you ever get requested to make a plaid cake, you'll know how. <laughs> I'll reach out. I think it's one of those things. It's um, when everybody thinks back to their childhood, they can always remember birthday cakes at different parts of their life. And that's been the inspiration for me to want to do that for my kids as well. Oh, what a wonderful thing. What are the memories you're creating? That's right. So our CEO, Bill McDermott, as I mentioned before, trust is the ultimate human currency. What thoughts does this bring up for you? I absolutely agree with him because I think trust brings opportunity for us. It brings opportunity for us to achieve goals when we think professionally. But when we have trust there, we can make massive leaps forward towards success. When you don't have trust, what really do you have? It's the core of everything that we do, whether that's in your personal life or your professional life. Without trust, you really have nothing. You have nothing to start with. Yeah, it's it's slow to earn, but it's really fast to burn. 
That's right. It's 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 one of those things that uh, you need to be very cognizant of. Now, for reference, I'm going to refer in this conversation as the customer, as anyone for whom the 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 developer is doing development. So, for many people, this is going to be. Um, you know, the people in a business unit, whether it's IT, sales, marketing, manufacturing engineer, you know, it, that kind of thing. For some of the others, this is going to be a client. Uh, if they're a partner, this is going to be the client who actually hired them to do the work. Now, what are the risks to a developer or, or any technical person, really, for that matter, if they don't have trust with their customer? Yeah, when I think about that, I think one of the biggest risks is that the customer will stop coming to you. So if you're the developer or the key developer on a project, if they're not coming to you with their requests or what they need, where are they going? Are they circumventing the system? Are they going to somebody else on your team? Mm -hmm. Or worse, do they just give up and say nothing? And so the risk of that for me is that when we go live and we have that fancy cake, what's the platform adoption like? What is the customer's success rate on their project? Have they achieved their goals? To me, without that trust, you are really impacting the success of that project. All right, let's take a look at a couple different personas. First, the easy one. This is a ServiceNow dev with a few years and maybe a few projects of experience. How would they leverage that to build trust? A few years of experience in the ServiceNow world is actually a lifetime. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Some of our products have only been around for a short period of time. So building trust in this space doesn't need to be big, grandiose statements or fancy slides with, you know, your entire CV mapped out in your introductions. But trust for me in this space is in the day-to-day dealings with your customers, like subtle guidance on best practices, perhaps an opportunity to build into your conversation about the lessons learned from another deployment where you've got an opportunity to demonstrate your experience with that particular situation or finding ways to weave those types of things in your meetings and presentations that you're doing with the customer. Another key thing with building trust for these guys is finding a way to respectfully say no. It's not always yes, customer, all the time. You can do this by challenging the customer's request for customization or their requests for scope creep by bringing them back to the business goals. Why are we here? What are we trying to do? And how are we going to maintain the platform moving forward? I think that is such a good point of when to respectfully say no, because it's it's so easy to want to say yes. Can we do this? Yes, we can. Uh, however, you need to recognize there's a cost or there's a risk, or we've tried that in the past and it didn't work out. Or there's a different way we might approach that problem. You know, it's it's really understanding what is the use case, what is the whole process upstream and downstream before you you jump in and say, yes, I can do that, because you may actually be causing more harm than good in that case. Uh, and and it's it's important to understand when to say no. In fact, it, I, we hear from many customers that they actually want to know when it when they're doing something wrong, when they've requested something that's off course, because they don't want to get into this expensive maintenance and rework and upgrade cycle uh, as as they take their ServiceNow journey forward. They would rather have somebody up front say, "Ah, you know, let's let's reconsider that idea for these specific reasons." Uh, or let me work with that on my manager. Not to sound like a used car salesman that says, let me let me check with my manager. Uh, but you know, it's okay to defer and 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 
help them get to the right place more effectively. If it feels like it's going to be a customization, oh my gosh, my son-in-law is in this situation right now. They're building an integration. He works for a partner and they're building an integration that already exists, but doesn't do quite exactly what they want. So instead, there's lots of scripting involved. Instead of using a spoke, there's lots of, and it's like, oh, and I'm, I'm starting to get really cringeworthy on that because, you know, somebody hasn't stepped up and said, hey, by the way, this is going to be expensive now and in the long run. And unfortunately, someone's going to recognize that somewhere down the road and go, well, why didn't somebody tell us? And yeah, absolutely. I think it's really easy for developers to get into solution mode and think about cool ways that they can technically solution stuff. I think it's sometimes important to step back. And as you said, look at the business process, look at the problem, step back and think, is this the way that their customer has always done this particular thing? And that's why they want to customize the software? Or could we help them take them on a new journey as to how to achieve the same goal, but perhaps in a different way? We have a phrase here in the U.S., and I hope it translates. We call it putting lipstick on a pig. If you're taking the old process and trying to make the new software work to the old process, you're not doing anyone any favors to transform that process, to digitize it, to really get productivity out of it. You're, You're really handicapping it, handcuffing it to an old shackled process. I my classic story from when I was a customer was uh, one of our business unit managers came to me and said, oh, we need a request to do this and we'll have somebody send an email and we'll attach the email as evidence of approval. I said, no, 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 no. ServiceNow has approvals built in and it's right on this little list at the bottom of the form that says who approved it and when. And they went, oh, I didn't realize that. You know, so you can open their eyes to something so simple that some of us take for granted oftentimes that they're still thinking in that old mode. So are, do you have any tips for someone who's doing this, uh, trying to build this trust virtually rather than in person? Because we are still in a bit of, as we record this, we're still in a bit of a virtual mode. Yeah, absolutely. Virtually is certainly more challenging when you're talking about any kind of relationship building, but particularly building trust. A couple of things come to mind for me, though. I think being punctual, make sure you're on time for your meeting and and making sure that you're allowing your calendar to align to that. Because quite often we have back-to-back meetings because we're going from one Zoom room to the next Zoom room, but making sure you have the opportunity to have a few moments to compose yourself to get ready for that. So be focused on that meeting, take your distractions away. That means closing your Slack, closing your mobile phone and putting it aside, making sure your email is shut down so that you can be in the moment with the customer, build some credibility with them, make sure you're focusing on them and keeping the conversation on what the outcome is for that particular meeting, not necessarily the outcome of the entire project, but why are you here? Are you having another meeting for the sake of a meeting? Challenge what you want to get out of that meeting and make sure by the end of that 30 minutes or one hour, whatever the time frame is you're with the customer, that you've actually achieved what that outcome is or have a path towards that outcome. And the most important thing, number one thing for me with trust, do what you say you'll do. If you told a customer that you were going to take an action or you're going to come back to them with information or a next step, make sure you do that and make sure you do it in the time frame that you've told them that you'll do it. That all comes back to integrity. You know, that's what I hear when you're saying these things. Be reliable. Do what you say you're going to do. Stay focused. That's part of integrity. And integrity builds trust. And there are times, let's let's 
be honest, we're human and life interferes. There are times when you can't get done what you're going to say you do. The sooner you let your engagement manager know, your project manager know, the customer, whomever it is that you owe that action item to, the sooner you let them know that it's off course or you're you're going to be late or, hey, I've got to take my wife to the hospital for an emergency, you know, stuff happens. The sooner you let them know, you can still maintain integrity and they can correct. They can bring in another resource so they can let the customer know. And, you know, most people are pretty understanding when they say, I've got to take my wife to the hospital. Uh, but if you don't, and you just don't show up for a meeting or they go, well, you know, is this person reliable? And you've just destroyed a whole bunch of trust. It's like putting money into a bank account. And like I said, it's it's slow to earn, but quick to burn. Yeah. Let's go back to our other persona, the new ServiceNow developer who may have just started their career or made a transition or is, is somehow new to the platform. And this could be their first project, their first engagement. How do they build that trust? Yeah, I think with those, with somebody in that situation, I think the key to it is to be honest and transparent. And honesty and transparency is key to trust for any person. But when you think about ServiceNow, it is a huge platform. So many products, so many, you know, twice yearly releases coming through that even our most experienced consultants can't be across everything. So what I would say to new developers is be transparent with the audience. If you don't know the answer, it's okay to be honest and say, I don't know, but take the action to find out what that is. Not only will you learn something, but you can take something back to your customer as well. And that will build trust with them by saying, he said he's going to do it. He's actually gone and done it. Um, but also being slightly vulnerable and showing that you aren't perfect can sometimes assist in building trust. We come into these engagements as these perfect consultants and ServiceNow experts at the front of the room. And sometimes that isn't the case. You might be an expert in one product or one process or whatever that might be. So, you you know, showing some humility there and so showing that you aren't perfect can also help to build trust with your audience as well. I'm glad you mentioned that. The humility, being humble, not a, it, it, don't assume anyone, especially you know, person number zero, is wearing a cape and is a superhero. Don't go in with the ego that I know everything. Uh, I, I had a bit of that when I went from being a customer to a consultant. I thought, hey, I did an ITSM implementation or a partial ITSM. I know the platform pretty well. I built an app. I know the, you know what they did? They put me on the discovery team. That was like completely new territory for me. I didn't know ITOM, but you know, I knew enough about protocols and ports and whatnot to be able to assist. But there were a lot of things and a lot of meetings that I had to say, great question. I'm going to follow up on that. Obviously, you want to try and use that card sparingly, but you're right. Be open, be honest, and just being human with these people and saying, I'm at the same table. We're on the same project. Use me as a resource. Yeah, I think in service now we talk quite often about being your authentic self. And I think that translates in this situation as well, that if you are authentic, you are humble, you say that this is this is the limit of my skills, but I'm willing to learn. Like sometimes that can be sitting in on meetings that you know you're not part of the agenda or part of knowing, but it gives you a chance to learn more about the customer, learn more about the project, learn more about the platform, whatever the case may be, show that you're willing to learn, show that you're prepared to commit. Um, but be humble in that space as well. Yeah, I, 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 I for whatever reason, I've been here for uh, almost 11 years and people think, wow, Chuck, you know everything. It's like, no, no, I don't. I Please don't put that on me because I don't know everything about ServiceNow and the platform. 
But what I will tell you is every time I change roles, which is every few years, I will play the new guy card for about six months. I think that's usually my limit where I will build that into my introduction. And they say, hi, I'm Chuck. I'm the new guy. I've been in this role for six weeks. So forgive me if a few of these answers are, I don't know, but I'll find out. You know, have fun with it. Put it put it in your 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 repertoire of responses and just lay the cards on the table. Be honest. Yep. So what are some common mistakes we should be aware of? Oh, common mistakes. I think sometimes people think that when we get up at the front of a workshop or something with our customers, that an introduction to the audience should be rattling off their CV. It shouldn't necessarily be that. It can be as something as simple as, hi, I'm Shelley, and today I am here as your ServiceNow expert in ITOM. It could be, this is the reason why I'm at the front of the room. It doesn't need to be a list of all of your certifications. Keep it relevant to what's going on in that particular meeting, in that particular room. The other thing, undercommit and over-deliver. I think making sure that you don't say yes to everything and that you're on the hook for a bunch of stuff. So I think that that's, that's something that you can do. Make sure that you keep uh, what you can deliver back to the customer realistic and within the scope of the project as well, because you don't want to say yes to stories that you really don't have time budget for. Um, and that you, you know, the other thing that you can do is make sure, and this comes back to whether you're physical or virtual, when we're talking about virtual things before, dress the part look at the audience, be present. If you're not a confident speaker, make sure you've rehearsed what it is that you're going to present as well. I'm glad you mentioned the introduction because uh, you know, more is less. And this almost gets back to our discussion with Dan Bellina on the, uh, on the other episode about bottom line up front, talking to executives, being concise. Less is more sometimes in that introduction uh, and, and let people drill in if they are so inclined. But uh, like you said, hi, I'm Chuck. Been with ServiceNow since 2010. I'm here to help you build applications effectively on the platform. Boom, done. You know, get that down to something that you wouldn't mind listening to on a voicemail recording, if you want to think about it that way. You know, use some some other analogy, or maybe you're talking to an executive, maybe you're in an elevator with somebody or sitting next to somebody on an airplane. But yeah, you don't need to rattle off all this stuff. Uh, even if it's on a slide, let's say you're doing a presentation and you're asked for an introductory bio slide. Sure, I've got six bullet points on there, but I don't hit them all. I, uh, hi, I'm Chuck. I've been with ServiceNow for uh, 11 years. Before that, I was a customer for two, and I've got almost 40 years in the industry. That's enough. That's absolutely right. I don't go into my hobbies. They're on the slide. They can read photography, golf, and you know, cosplay if they want. But you know, if somebody says, cosplay? What do you like to do? You know, then we'll go nuts. You know, say I'll talk to you after the meeting. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's it's about keeping it relevant. So why are you there for that particular meeting, for that particular presentation, for that particular workshop? It doesn't need to be war and peace at the, in that introduction slide. You know? Yeah, you don't want to be the person where everybody else is taking 15 seconds for their introduction and you're taking five minutes. Absolutely. Don't be that person. <laughs> now, as I mentioned before, trust and integrity, to me anyway, are very closely related. And recently, I had an unfortunate experience where someone whom I didn't previously know, they volunteered to help on a project, but ultimately they didn't execute. They dropped the ball and th they left me to pick up the pieces. Now, I, I'll admit I'm not the world's greatest project manager, but shame on me 
for not seeing the warning signs at our weekly meetings and double shame on me for, you know, uh, uh, double shame on this person for not raising their hand and asking for help as soon as possible. So their trust and integrity have been damaged. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm not going to be calling on this person for any future projects unless, you know, the rare exception that somebody who I respect, somebody who I have trust in says, I think you ought to ask this person you know, to help you out with this. They're really good at this particular thing. But uh, otherwise, you know, I'm I'm putting them on a shelf. Have you have you run into that or what do you do when you encounter that kind of situation? Well, I think I see certainly from my life as an engagement manager, I saw situations like this happen time and time again. There's kind of two approaches that spring to mind for me. At the commencement of any customer project, I think it's really important that the whole team, and I mean the ServiceNow team that is going to be working on that customer's project, I think it's really important that they establish clear roles and responsibilities as to who's doing what on the project. I think if you set the expectation that we're going to have a daily stand-up, we're going to have a weekly showcase with the customer, and these are the actions that the different people are doing, that we know where we all fit and what we need to do. The other thing in your situation, Chuck, and although this is perhaps a little uncomfortable for some people, is I would take a one-on-one call with that particular individual and find the right words to express the disappointment that you had and why that project wasn't successful and where they let the team down, but use as an opportunity to coach them and find a way to move forward. So the next time a project comes around and they want to stick their hand up and volunteer, you're going to want to take them on because you've had an opportunity to acknowledge that awkwardness and say, this is what didn't work for me. And this is perhaps an example of how we can move forward from that. And you can do that by showing them examples of how this has been successful on other projects or why you need that information or that particular task that they've let you down. Being transparent with them allows you to build trust again in that relationship. So moving forward, uh, they might be an opportunity for you to come back and work together. You're absolutely right. The lesson I take away from this for myself anyway is not to go directly to the individuals who want to help, but to go to the resource managers who can identify those individuals who are going to be the most help. So next year, I've got <laughs> something else to learn. <laughs> do, do you have another example of, of something you'd like to share? Yeah, I see something else happening in the ServiceNow world all the time. Our developers, our architects, our engagement managers, our business process consultants We're in there running workshops in front of our customers all the time. And I see often that there is complacency where people come into these workshops without rehearsal. Ow, ow. I was just talking to somebody about this today. (laughs) That that (laughs) rehearsal and practice, you know, these, in fact, I think we're going to get into this more as we, we talk to Julian about presentations, but Okay, go on. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> that was just a no, gut It's one of those things where uh, if you run a particular workshop before, there's a degree of complacency. So you might know the product or you may have seen the deck before or you've done an implementation previously on that particular product. But do you know who's actually going to run the demo that day? Is the demo something where you're typing into an incident in front of a customer, the cat sat on the mat, or are you actually relating that to something that is really meaningful for the customer and the journey that they're on? Being able to take that incident record and maybe relate it to a problem and then turn it into a major incident, like taking them on that actual journey and rehearsing that and knowing who in the room is doing what. Do you need somebody else in the room to be logged into their mobile so that they can see a real-time event happening or something like that? Have you read the statement of work? Do you know what it is that the customer is looking for, what their goals and objectives are? 
Have you had a handover meeting with the sales team? There is so much that you can do so that when you put your foot on site with the customer on the first day of those workshops, you're in a really good place for success, not only as an individual, but as a team. It's a unified front in front of the customer because if those kickoffs and those workshops fail in any way or there's sort of untidiness in the way that you're not sure whose roles and who's doing what, that's really setting the tone for the customer and what they can expect for the remainder of the project. And a lot of the context on this has been around a consultant for hire that comes in from a firm, whether it's ServiceNow or a partner, but the same rules apply if you are working for, if you're the developer at Customer X and someone in Customer X's uh, sales department says, we'd like to use ServiceNow to start tracking our sales numbers and our customer responses. And whether you're building a new app or you're, you're building out uh, you know, HR or customer service or whatever happens to be. Same rules apply. Be consistent. Follow through on your actions. Let people know if you're not making it on the action. Uh, understand what's important to that customer. As I said at the top of the show, the customer is who you are doing work for. Whether it is a contracted job paying you directly or you're doing this as part of your employer's whole organizational structure. Same thing. Not only understand what they need, but be able to put things in meaningful terms to them. Because if you're talking to HR and 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 your only language is with an ITSM implementation and you're talking incidents, they're going to go, what? What's an incident? It, 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 you have to be able to speak in their context. Yes, it it's great building. I, as developers, we love creating. It's what we're born to do is write code, put flows together, create the tables, and make some stellar solutions. But if you can't present on those solutions, you're missing a big opportunity. And we're here to help you with some future episodes coming up on Breakpoint. So please stay with us. Thank you so much, Shelly. Are there any takeaways that you want everyone to remember as as we step back from this? I think we said at the start of this that our CEO, Bill McDermott, says trust is the ultimate human currency. Based on that, I think it's really difficult to give somebody one key takeaway that recognise that building trust actually takes time, it's hard work, and that this is an ongoing journey. It's just not something that you go and do a training course in and you're done. Is something that as human beings, we have to work on this every single day in both our professional life and our personal life. Thank you very much. Oh, it's been wonderful talking and we are definitely going to have you back on the show. Before we leave, let the listener know how they can get in touch with you. You can find me on LinkedIn, Shelley Grieve, that's Shelley with an I-E and email Shelley.Grieve at servicenow.com. Thank you very much. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Please don't forget that you can check out our other ServiceNow podcasts. Share them with your coworkers. There's lots of them, plenty of them on various different topics. You can find them all at community.servicenow.com under the resources menu. Subscribe to this podcast for absolutely free, my favorite price, and get it automatically delivered to you. As soon as it shows up on the internet, it will show up on your device. Again, thank you so much, Shelly, for sharing with us today. Thanks very much, Chuck. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.